Um, all right, so go ahead. Uh, I guess I'll introduce myself if you're new. I don't know if there's any new visitors. My name's Terrell, and uh, I'm the junior high pastor, and we have all of our amazing staff around you. And this is what we do. We have a lot of fun. And now we have our Bible study together where we learn about God, who he is, what he's done for us. And we are going back to our series in the book of Daniel. Daniel. So tonight we're in Daniel chapter 3. So you can turn there and uh, hopefully you have a Bible by now. You can look in your table of contents to figure out where Daniel is. Uh, Daniel chapter 3. And as you turn there. I'd like to tell you about my favorite, one of my favorite childhood TV shows. Okay? Maybe, shout out some of your favorite TV shows. Phineas and Ferb. SpongeBob. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z. Paw Patrol. Stranger Things. Okay, okay. All right. Let me tell you about my, one of my favorite childhood uh, shows, okay? You might not expect it. It's not. No, I didn't grow up Christian, unfortunately. Nick didn't invite me to camp until I was in high school. So, um, yeah. So, I grew up watching these other shows. And this, my, one of my favorite shows is called Storage Wars. You know Storage Wars? Okay, so listen. Basically, you know, a lot of people have a lot of stuff. And when the stuff, they can't fit it all in their house, they go and they get a storage unit, right? Basically like a garage. They rent it out. They put all their stuff in there. Well, sometimes people either forget to pay, they stop paying them, or they die. And so these storage units are abandoned. They're just left with no owners. And so the storage company, they sell these storage units. They have a big auction and they sell it for the highest bid, right? And Storage Wars is exactly this. They sell these uh, units, and sometimes, here's a catch, sometimes the units are closed, and you cannot see what's inside. And so people are betting large amounts of money for stuff that they don't even know what's inside the storage unit. So they're hoping, they're hoping and praying that the stuff inside is valuable and it's worth all the money they spend, right? You know about Storage Wars? It's an amazing show. You know, it gets you excited and intrigued. Okay, sometimes they come up really good and the stuff inside is valuable. You know, classic cars. They've got uh, baseball cards in there worth a lot of money. They've got signed memorabilia maybe of athletes, of stars, of celebrities. Maybe they got a ton of uh, old Barbie dolls somehow. They sell for a ton. Maybe they have a whole bunch of you know, thousands and thousands of talkie bags in there, and it's, it's worth a ton, right? And so they want the valuable stuff. But sometimes, sometimes it's filled with trash, and they spend all this money, and it's a waste of time, and they waste a lot of money because they don't know what's inside the storage unit, right? So it's a pretty exciting show. Well, in one episode, probably their best episode and the most crazy find, the storage unit is closed and nobody knows what's inside. And so they're betting on it. $100, 150, 200, 300, 400. And then somebody goes, $500. And everybody goes, 
That's crazy. We're out. We're out. That's way too much money. You're crazy. You don't even know what's inside the storage unit, and you're paying $500? So they go, going once, going twice, and they say? Sold for $500 to Mr. Bianchi, okay? And so he gets the storage unit. He has no idea what's inside the storage unit. Everybody leaves. He finally gets a chance to look inside. He goes around. There's a lot of trash at first. He's digging through things. And then he finds a box. And this box is a safe. And he doesn't have the key for it. So what does he do? Bah, bah, bah. He does whatever he can to break it open. And what does he find once it finally is open? 7.5 million dollars. Can you believe that? He paid $500 for something he had no idea he was buying. He had no idea what was in the storage unit and he got 7.5 million dollars. He can buy a whole McDonald's with that money. Crazy, right? Amazing. Well, this is the whole show. This is why I love it. It's because you put all your money to something that you don't really know what you're buying. And maybe, hopefully, it turns out valuable, right? Shh. Now, let me connect it. This is exactly what faith is. This is exactly what faith is. Because faith in Jesus Christ is putting all your hope, all of your faith in something that you cannot see. Is Jesus Christ here with us today? Physical form? No, right? We cannot see Jesus. He's not right in front of us. He's not a physical person in front of us right now. But we put all of our faith in this person who we cannot see and hope and hope that it is worth it in the end. And what the Bible says we hope is true, that our reward is eternal life far greater than money, far greater than gold or diamonds or anything you could ever find on, in this world. It is far greater than that. We put our hope in someone who we cannot see, but in the future will have eternal reward, right? This is what faith is. Believing in something you cannot see and hoping for the future that it's all true and that the reward is great. And guess what? It is true. And the reward is great. And so we keep having faith in Jesus Christ, no matter the cost. For that guy, it was $500. For us to follow Jesus, to have faith in Jesus, it might cost us everything. Our entire lives. All of our money, all of our materials, all of our everything. Our entire lives. And this is exactly what we see in Daniel chapter 3 with Daniel's friends. And uh, it's an extraordinary story. So hopefully you're already there. Daniel chapter 3. And uh, we're going to look at the entire chapter together, of course. Daniel chapter 3. You ready? Daniel chapter 3, um, and I've got three points for you tonight. Hopefully you have your outline, and I'm going to give you the first point right off the bat. 
Point number one, trials for us. Trials for us. Trials, T-R-I-A-L-S. Trials for us. And this is verses 1 through 15. So, do you need a recap? Okay, we're in the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 1, we see that this guy named King Nebuchadnezzar King Nebuchadnezzar he takes over this land called Judah he takes it over King Nebuchadnezzar is from Babylon and Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar come over to Judah take it over and he takes all of their best youth right all of their best junior hires, the smartest, the brightest ones, and he captures them and he wants to manipulate them and brainwash them to become good Babylonians so that they can go back and rule their land under King Nebuchadnezzar's rule, right? So they're, they're captured. And among these people, among these junior hires and young people that are captured are Daniel. What are his friends' names? And Abednego, right? Daniel and his three friends are captured. They're taken away to, with King Nebuchadnezzar. And they're brainwashed and uh, just manipulated. And they go through the ringer, right? And what's the first thing we see in Daniel chapter 1? Daniel's put to the test, right? And we see his uncompromising faith, right? King Nebuchadnezzar wants him to eat all of this food that he's not allowed to eat because according to that time in Leviticus, there were, there were laws. He couldn't eat the food that was offered to him. And Daniel says, no, I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm not going to eat this food, even though it looks really good. And I'm going to eat other food and I'm going to risk my life for it. And I'm not going to compromise. That's my uncompromising faith, right? Then in Daniel chapter two, we see Daniel go, continue to have faith. And what happens? King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, 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 dream. He has a dream and King Nebuchadnezzar claims that he cannot remember his dream. And he says, I need you guys, the magicians and who's the wicked witch of the West over here. Okay. The wicked witch. I need you guys to figure out my dream, interpret it and tell me what it means. And nobody could do it. Right. And so what does he say? He says, off with your head, because he's going to cut off every person's limbs. He's going to kill all of the wise men. And this includes Daniel and all of his friends, right? And so they're in trouble. But what does Daniel do? He has faith. He has un unforgettable faith. Come on, you can't forget that. Unforgettable faith. And so he goes... He goes before the Lord, he prays, he asks for help, and God actually gives him the ability to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and he's saved, and God spares him. And what was the dream? The dream was of a big golden statue, right? And this statue had different parts. The head was made out of something, the chest was made out of something, the legs were made out of something, all different materials and metals, right? And they all symbolize something. They all symbolize different kingdoms that would come after King Nebuchadnezzar. And this scared him a ton because he wants to reign for how long? Forever. Forever. And this dream is telling him that there are kings and kingdoms that are going to be after him, which means that he's not going to reign forever. And so he's scared. 
he's frightened and he's very upset about this. And so that's what takes us to Daniel chapter three, because what King Nebuchadnezzar is going to do now is he doesn't want to give up his reign. And so he saw in the dream that the head was made of gold. gold. And that represents King Nebuchadnezzar. And so what he's going to do is he's going to build a real life statue and it's all going to be gold. It's all going to be for King Nebuchadnezzar. And this is going to be him saying that I'm going to reign forever. So Daniel chapter three, you're all caught up for all the newbies with us. Daniel chapter three, verses one through 15. Let's read it. it says this, Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits and its width six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent word to assemble the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Then the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates and all the rulers of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, how many people? All, all the people uh, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar, the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you 
do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Crazy, right? We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego put to the test. This is probably their greatest trial, the greatest trial they've ever faced in their lives. They are standing up for the truth. They're sticking with it. They're holding their faith. And they're saying, I will not worship this false idol, this false golden statue that you put up. And I will stay faithful to God. This statue is probably a statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. Or it's probably a statue of one of King Nebuchadnezzar's false gods. Either way, King Neb gathers everybody, all the leaders from all the nations. He gathers them all around to a place called Dura. And this is the same place where the Tower of Babel was. And so he's trying to bring everybody, reverse the Tower of Babel, unify everybody again together, and have them all unified, worshiping King Nebuchadnezzar. He wants everybody to worship him and his false, huge, ridiculous statue. And he says, whoever does not do this, what happens to them? They get thrown into the furnace and they burn to death. And then they put up the statue. The bagpipes play. The flutes play. The, all those different, the sounds of music. They, the orchestra plays. And what is to happen? Everybody is to fall on their feet, on their faces. And they are to worship this statue. And so they do that. How many people did it? It said all. So you can imagine with me. I mean, there's a lot of people here. Imagine even more. Multiply all of this. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of people. They're all looking to the statue. And they hear the music. They all fall down. And as they're looking, as the leaders with King Nebuchadnezzar are looking down, they see everybody fall down except three. Three people remain standing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because they will stay faithful to God. They will not worship this false idol, no matter the cost. Do they understand what the cost is? Yeah. Yes, right? They know that they're going to get burned to death if they don't worship this idol. But they stay faithful to God. This is their undying faith. And what this means is there is no limit to their faith. They will go all the way till death to be faithful to God. There is no end to their faith. They will stay faithful to him. So they do just that. The people tattletale on them. Some of the leaders tattletale on them. King Nebuchadnezzar, those three are not bowing down and worshiping your false idol. And what happens? King Nebuchadnezzar gets very upset, angry. He calls them in. He questions them. He gives them one last chance. I'm going to give you one last chance. Fall down and worship this statue or else I will throw you into the furnace. Pretty crazy, right? And friends, this is exactly what I'm talking about when I say 
that your faith in Jesus Christ might cost you everything. How much? Everything. You might lose everything for following Jesus. Practically, you might lose your friends. Imagine if you lost all of your friends because everybody hated God and you loved God. That could happen. Imagine you lost all of your family because the same reason. They turned away from God, but you chose to follow God. Imagine you lost all of your materials, all your possessions, all your video games, everything. Your whole house, your car, everything. Everything's lost. You're homeless, you're poor, you've got nothing. Would you still have faith in Christ and in God? They do. They have undying faith, right? It never ends. It's limitless. Even when they're put to the test and a false idol is put right before them, they do not crumble. They do not waver. They keep their faith. Do you and I have idols today in this world? Yeah, yeah right? It's not a false idol. It's not like a, a statue that they had. Maybe you worship uh, the Statue of Liberty. I hope you don't. You know, that could be a close. Uh, but no, we have idols, right? What can be idols in our lives? Our friends can be idols to us. Maybe we wish we had a ton of friends. Our family can be idols. Maybe we just, we're just so obsessed with our family that we'll just do whatever they do, even if they go away from God. That can be an idol if that happens. Our video games, our social media, all of these things, our materials, our clothes, our possessions. If we value something more than God, then we make that a what? An idol. And then we're worshiping that idol instead of God. And so don't look at this story and think it's ridiculous that all these people are worshiping their idol because you worship an idol too. You worship something or someone. And so you got to figure out who that is. Is it God or is it all these other things that are useless and that will perish and die. Okay, so that is point number one, trials for us. Trials for us. And we will be faced with those trials. And with a great trial like this, it sets up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to show off their great faith. And now point number two, faith in us. Point number two, faith in us. And this is verses 16 through 18. We're going to see how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego display their great faith towards God despite the trial. Let's read verses 16 through 18 together. You ready? You ready? Okay. Verse 16. What's the first word? Shadrach. Shadrach. What's the first word? Shadrach. What's the first word? Shadrach. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. Here's their response after King Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to throw you into the fire if you don't worship my God. What do they reply? No. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. Wow. Verse 17. 
If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Wow, that is a crazy response. Standing right before the king, about to throw them into the fire, the furnace, they say, we will not serve your gods, King Nebuchadnezzar, no matter the cost. And so this shows their great faith. And I think it shows us four tests, okay? Four tests that we can evaluate our own faith with, okay? So here it is. Point A. Is your faith built? Built. B-U-I-L-T. Is your faith built? You know, you have to, when you're building a house, you have to lay the foundation. You have to start with the base level. I don't know. AJ probably knows way better than me, but you know, I'm a concrete, a couple poles, uh, then you start putting the wood in the window. I don't know, okay? But it takes layers, right? You got to start from the ground up. Little by little, you build up the house, right? And so it is with our faith. You build it up, little acts of faith at a time, overcoming little sin after little sin. And here's the point. Did Daniel and his friends come to this point all of a sudden? No, right? Daniel chapter 1. They refuse to eat the food. That's a good, that's an easy like thing to refuse, right? That's easy. They didn't compromise in that. Little by little, they didn't compromise over any sin, over any little sin. And that builds up their faith to have a great faith so that when they're actually put to the test, the greatest test of their lives to where they're going to die if they don't uh, follow their gods, They're ready and their faith is strong enough. Does that make sense? It starts with overcoming the little sins, not compromising over the little sins. And that'll help us with the big sins, right? If you could put it that way. What are some little sins that we need to overcome? You could say a little sin is lying. Oh, it was just like a little white lie, you know, like it didn't really hurt anybody. A little sin is anger in your heart. Maybe you're super angry at your parents, at your siblings, at your friends. And you go, well, anger is not as bad as like, you know, murdering somebody. At least I didn't kill them. Or you could say a little sin is like jealousy. You're jealous over what your friends have or what other families have. And you want that and you you grow jealous and angry in your heart. Listen. All of these little sins are just as disgusting to God as all of those big sins, right? And all these little sins will get us to the same place, and that is hell. They all deserve the same wrath. And what we need to know is that it is not okay to accept our little sins. We have to refuse every single sin that we come across. And if we do this, like Daniel and his friends, then our faith will grow to the point 
to where we will be able to give everything for Christ, where we will be able and willing to say, I will die for Christ, even with the greatest tests and trials, right? And so our faith needs to build. That's point A. Is your faith built? Point B, is your faith known? K-N-O-W. Is your faith known? Do people know about your faith? What, does, what do they reply to the king uh, in verse 16? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, you silly Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. What? They say, we don't need to tell you. Why? Because King Nebuchadnezzar knows what God they serve. They've already showed their faith. They've already talked about their God. They've already shown that they will never break away from the true and living God. Their faith is known. They're not afraid to back down. They're not, they're not going to back down when the times get tough. And so the same is true with us. Students, look, look up. When the times get tough and when following Jesus is not popular and when saying you're a Christian is not popular anymore and might even get you in danger, will you still say that you're a Christian? Will you still say that you're going to follow God? Does everybody in your friend group, your family, Everybody know that you follow God or are you ashamed of it? Look at Mark eight thirty eight. It's in your outline. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will also be ashamed of him when he comes to the glory of his father and the holy angels. We cannot be ashamed of Christ, right? We need to tell everybody that we follow the true and living God. Point C, is your faith confident? Is your faith confident? What this is saying, let's look at verse 17. Let's see this. Verse 17, if it be so, what do they say? Our God whom we serve, serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will deliver us out of your hand O king, you know what they're confident in? They're confident in the character of God, the fact that he can do all things. He is all powerful. He's all knowing. And they're confident in God's will for their life. They're basically saying, whatever God does, it's okay. I put my faith in that. I put my trust in that. And it'll all work out for my good and for his glory. Are you able to say that? That no matter what happens, it's fine. I'm going to trust in God and I'm going to trust in his will, his perfect plan for my life. That's what they're confident in. His perfect character and his perfect plan. Philippians 1.21. When you get to this point, when you're confident in God and his plan for you, that he's doing all things for your good and for his glory, then we can say this, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I read the wrong verse. Proverbs 14.26. Proverbs 14.26. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong what? Confidence. Confidence. And his children will have refuge. 
great confidence in our Lord. The last test, point D, is your faith sure? S-U-R-E. Sure. Is your faith sure? Meaning, are you sure that you have faith at all? Are you sure of it? Because if you're not sure, then you can't do what what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do in verse 18. They say this, But even if he does not save us, even if, he, even if God does not save us, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They're saying, I'm going to have faith even if it kills me. And this is why I read that verse that I spoiled. Philippians 1.21, this is where they get to that point. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm going to live for Christ because you know what? If you're sure of your salvation, then you know where you're going to go after you die. That is, if you're a Christian, heaven. If you're sure you're a Christian, you know that you're going to go to heaven. And so even if I die, then what happens? Then I go to heaven and I go into eternal life where there's no pain and no suffering and there's only joy and peace forever and ever and ever. Well, then I'm going to live for Christ now and I'm going to suffer now for because I have hope in the future that it'll be perfect and I'll live with God forever. So does your faith pass the test? Look at these four tests and, and compare and, and ask, does my faith pass? Is my faith undying like these three friends? They had no limits. They were willing to die for God. And what was the result? Point number three. Are you ready? God. God with us. God with us. This is Emmanuel, God with us. And we see this verses 19 through 30. Let's read it together. The first word of verse 19 is? Shout it out when you were there. First word of verse 19 is? Okay, you're there. Then I can start. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath. Okay, you're taking your eyes off the page. So we'll start back at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with? Wrath, and his facial expression was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain uh, valiant warriors who who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were who were tied up in their trousers, their coats their caps, and their other clothes, and were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then, verse 24, 
Something crazy happens. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded. And he stood up in haste and he said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, uh, Certainly, O king. Verse 25, he said, Look, I see how many? Four men loose and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace, a blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to those men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of those men, nor was the hair of their head singed, nor was uh, their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Wow. Wow. Doesn't this chapter just leave you saying, wow, this is crazy. He, they get thrown into the furnace, all tied up. They're in their best clothes. They're in their trousers and caps. They get tied up. They're going to throw them into the furnace. And what happens? The people who are throwing them in actually get burned to death because the fire is so hot. It's seven times hotter than what they would usually heat it up to. They go and they throw them in there. The, the servants, they die. They get burned up. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what happens to them? They stay alive. They're walking about in the fire. They're taking a nice stroll in the fire. No harm done to them. Not a hair on their body is burned or singed. And who is with them? One other person. Now you can say, this is an angel of the Lord. You can say this is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ himself, which I like and I'm going to keep. But the fact is that God kept them alive. God preserved them. God kept them safe because they were faithful to him. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. And he preserves them. They get out of the fire. Nebuchadnezzar, his jaw is on the floor. He cannot believe what he is seeing. And this finally convinces him to say, Blessed be your God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And everybody will worship this true God. Because he has proven that he will preserve his people. Isn't that crazy? 
And he has this weird thing with tearing people from limb to limb. He says, everybody who doesn't worship this God will be torn limb to limb. And so we see the incredible undying faith of these three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want you to see this. Matthew 16, verse 25. Look at the irony of this verse and in relation to our passage, okay? Matthew 16, verse 25, in your outline. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Isn't that what happened? The people who wished to save their life with King Nebuchadnezzar, their servants, they ended up dying, right? As they led Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the furnace, they burned up themselves. And the people who were, wi- who were willing to lose their life and to go into the fire, their lives were actually saved by God. And this is true with you and I. If you are willing to lose your life for Christ, meaning if you're willing to give up everything for Christ, then in the end, you will actually save your life. And you will actually have eternal life with God forever. Isaiah 43 verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Now, you cannot walk through fire today, okay? You're still going to get burned. So don't think that. But this is saying that God will be with us and he will not give you, if you're a true Christian, he will not give you a trial or a test that you cannot overcome and endure with your faith. He will use that trial to grow you, to strengthen you, to make you more faithful like Daniel and his friends. He will preserve you and keep you safe until he takes you home or until he returns. Isn't that good news? And what do we put our faith in? We put our faith in Christ Jesus, who died for us, who paid the penalty for our sins. The perfect Son of God came to die for our sins so that we would not have to endure the full wrath of God on ourselves. But instead, Jesus Christ took on how much of his wrath? All of it. All of the wrath that we deserve. He took it on himself, the perfect Son of God. And he died on the cross for our sins. He paid our penalty. And what did he do after that? Three days later? He rose from the dead. He defeated death. Reigned victorious over death. And he gives us new life. If we put our faith. If we put our faith in God. If we believe in God. The God who we cannot see right in front of us, but who we know is true, is real. If we believe in him and we turn away from our sins, then he will give us eternal life. The greatest reward, right? Like storage wars. We cannot see what's in there. We cannot see God, but the treasure, what's behind those doors, what we cannot see is so much greater than anything on this earth. It's a life with Jesus Christ. So, how is your faith? Is your faith this strong? 
What is holding you back from having this kind of faith in Jesus Christ? Okay, so talk about that in your small groups. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word and uh, this amazing, true story of how a faithful man like Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had such great faith in you, undying faith, never-ending faith, limitless faith, that they would even be willing to die for you. And I pray that we would have this same faith, that we would be willing to give up everything for you because we know that you are real, you are true, and that what you promise is eternal life. So would you help us have faith? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.